crawling out of the swamps of South Florida. Swinging from tree to tree, back in the treehouse once again. It's Saturday, September 9th, 2023. Hello, chimp. This is your host, Captain Brunch. Wait, chimp. You can't say my name, man. It messes me up. What the hell? Well, you have to know what you're saying. I don't have to know what you're saying. I don't need an introduction. I mean, if you want to give me an introduction, but we got to establish that, so. Well, here we are. When are we supposed to establish this? Like, when we have our pre-planning meeting? Yeah, right now. This is the pre-planning segment of the show, where we think about what we're doing and what we're going to do next episode. So, I am going to try talking slower this episode. Because? I feel as though I talk too fast. And... It might. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm gonna hate this so much. No, but uh, I'm gonna hate this. All right, relax, please, relax, please, champ. Please. Let me update Telegram. What are you gonna tell Telegram? Oh, you're, you're gonna update the Telegram application. I don't know. I just feel as though foreigners who English is their second language, they, you know, they they get stressed out by how fast. Like people who English is their first language, they get stressed out by how fast they talk sometimes. Has someone brought this up to you? No one has brought it up to me specifically, but it's something that people bring up pretty generally. I don't know. Well. (laughs) How you doing, Chim? It reminds me of Marcus, and he was doing the same thing, speaking slowly, and it also drove me crazy (laughs) because it's like damn it get your fucking point out but today is a good day today is a day of celebration today is the 24th anniversary of the sega dreamcast congratulations sega we're so proud of you they grow up they grow up so fast. I really hope you guys can hear the applause because last time it didn't record. See, what was so. that game on the Sega Dreamcast where... All of them. You were like floating around. <laughs> I think you're like this purple character or this red character. And you're like bouncing from one thing to another. Well, obviously you don't remember this game. What were your favorite Dreamcast games? Are you thinking about Knights? The purple character and they would like fly through rings and stuff. Probably. Yeah. That was on the Saturn. What? The Sega Saturn? Yeah. That was the one before it. Nights into dreams. Nights into dreams. I feel like this is exactly what we're talking about, but what I'm talking about. No, but that's not what I'm talking about. Did they make one for the Sega? Sega? um, They might have. I don't think so. No. So that's so Sega Dreamcast. Twenty four years. It's I always make it a point to celebrate Dreamcast Day on September 9th. When it came out it's nine nine ninety nine. That was a big <laughs> that was a big selling point. I mean, it came out earlier in Japan and later in um, Europe. But as things tend to, <laughs> I have to be careful with my breathing because my breathing, like if it hits the receiver on this microphone, it it just very. Well, I think the compressor is also up because see how far you are from the mic and it's not, not good it sounds. Well, okay, so I have to be over Damn. here. Damn! <laughs> see, now I could bring your compressor down. Uh, we're going to have to, I need, I need like a new, 
new microphone stand. So this is actually a new microphone. Yes, please tell our audience about your microphone while I... Well, I don't even remember what model it is. It's, it's an Electro vo Voice or Electro Volt. What does it stand for, the EV? Electro Voice. Electro Voice. And it's a, it's a pretty nice... It's a silver or like chrome, I guess, kind of shiny. Shiny. What What is this? You know the model. The RE27, but the... The model that uses the, um, it's a, the capsule is neodymium or some shit like that. Neodymium. So I figured since I was getting a new job, so I, get should, closer? I should treat myself to a new microphone. Although this is not a new microphone. It's a used microphone. New old microphone. But it's a new old microphone. It's new to me and it's a nicer microphone than the last microphone, which was already a nice microphone. You got a lot of nice microphones, man. But I'm probably going to take that nice microphone and bring it to my house. And I'm going to try, you know, I'm, I'm going to start putting together a media setup in my, in my, at my desk. Although like, it's kind of reaching the point where I'm going to have to upgrade my computer and I don't know what, what the hell I want to do. For what? Why? Well, you know, like I, I put all, it's, it's sort of a sunk cost fallacy. I put all this money into my computer years ago so that I could build this gaming computer. And it's still theoretically a pretty good computer, but the, the GPU has got issues. I think I've like procrastinated replacing the thermal paste on some, something. The CPU? Yeah, it could be, but it's not, but. Something. Have you put new thermal paste on your CPU ever since you no. first got... Jesus. <laughs> and I think I've had that computer for more than six years, seven years. We could do that. I have thermal paste. I bought some recently. Well, we should we should make a little project of it. Um, but in either case, though... I have to redo mine. Like, I, I, I got mine a year ago, and I just put new paste. It was... The thermal paste was so stuck to the CPU that I couldn't remove it from the um, the CPU cooler. I literally had to heat it up <laughs> well, I've got and a then heat take, gun. A, take a razor knife and just like... I've got a heat gun, so I'm not worried. If worse comes to worse. Yeah, I got some good thermal paste. We, could, we should do that. Uh, yeah, but in either case, I mean, the, the computer is several years old now, so it could use some upgrades. Like I could upgrade some peripherals, maybe something like put some USB 3 stuff uh, like the USB-C contactors. Um, maybe it needs a new motherboard. Yeah. If you're gonna all up, these years. That's not like a new motherboard completely. But, uh, but, you know, I'm not like really looking to be spending all this money. So probably I maybe I'll, I'll apply for like one of those credit cards on some website and then just buy a bunch of parts and put it together. Just sell, all your, sell, sell all your mics. Why would I do that? I think find a new computer. Why do I work? I work so that I can buy these things. I don't work so I can sell my stuff so I can buy more things. Then you're just going to end up with more stuff and then more stuff and you're going to be like me and then I can't well, move. I'll like sell or give away the old crap from my computer, like the old motherboard, etc. <laughs> oh God. Or I'll add to the waste products of the world. <laughs> the American way. No, honestly, I want to start selling like shit. Because, like, if I decided to die tomorrow, like, who's going to get rid of all this stuff? Oh, like, my God. I, I might as well just, like, start slowly getting rid of stuff. And then once I have nothing, then I can go happy. The Woodland Treehouse Estate of Chimp. 
We're having the an estate sale. Estate. It's okay. a fire <laughs> estate sale. <laughs> fire sale. Well, and you know, the thing is my, my computer, the desktop is pretty big. So it just takes up a lot of, like it's a big footprint in my, in my office, you know? So I could also theoretically change the, like the box that it's in and then it would take up less space in my, you know, so there's, there's things to consider. So this is, this is like going to be a, an ongoing concern. So what else are we celebrating? We're celebrating Dreamcast's 24 years. We're celebrating, which I'll throw out some trivia throughout the show as I remember it. <laughs> We're also celebrating the podcast's one year anniversary. We don't know the exact date, but... They were coming up on the more or less one year anniversary. Yeah, say the whole month. But if you want to choose a date, we can choose a date of... It doesn't matter, but we, so we've been, we've been, we've been, we've been doing the podcast for over a year. We're almost a year now. The first two episodes were pre-recorded, so they were not lit, so to speak, but they exist. And then the first pre, the first lit episode was, I think, um, September 21st or something like that. Uh, but there's something going on and we can't do it. Like the weekend, it was just like, we're going to do it in the 16th, 23rd. We're going to do the 20, we can do the 16th, the 23rd. I have a show that night. So. Okay. Yeah. So we can't do the 23rd, which is, that's fine with me though. Cause I'm coming back from town from Orlando on the 22nd. So I can like relax. Sleep. Yeah. That'll be nice. So if you are in the West Palm area on the 23rd at tough times, I will be playing uh-huh. a bass. What's the band called? Tiger Sunsets. Tiger Sunsets. Yeah, we um, had our show. I mentioned it last time, but I'm going to get a little more detail. We had our show on a Friday. It was the last day of the month, last month. And so we were, we we had a drummer. Like, I'm, relative, I'm relatively new to the band. Right. And Uh-oh. then the drummer was added a little bit after me, like a couple of weeks so, you know, I learned the songs quick, uh-huh. a little tougher for him, but you know, he's, he's getting there. We did a lot of practice. We were up to like two times a week and it was, it was feeling good. It was sounding good. The last practice was great. Starting to come together, starting to come together. But you know, he always had his notes there, his notes. Like what uh-huh. song was it? Okay, hold on. All right. <laughs> and it was just like, okay, whatever works for you. I mean, Ooh, okay. Don't be doing that at the show. Right. Well, <laughs> But, but he wasn't ready yet. You guys were like trying to do a show before he was ready. It but we practiced like. so much. But obviously not enough. Well, yeah, not enough. Him. And now he's gone. Wow, you guys kicked him out of the band? I, it wasn't my decision, but I don't think it was a bad decision. <laughs> it was bad, though. It was like every song was off. Oh, man. And I didn't have the conversation, but apparently he thought it was just like once I messed up, right? Well, no, I mean, (laughs) it was so bad. And, you know, like non-musicians maybe didn't notice, but, you know, I felt it It was just like, uh, we kept looking at each other like, yeah, if you have a certain expectation and especially for a live show and you, you want everything to be just such a way, I, I certainly know how that feels. Um, yeah. And our band, (laughs) our band, it was the same thing with our drummer, but fortunately, (laughs) We were all very close and Darren was my best friend. So it was kind of hard to have a conversation, but you can't just kick him out either. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, that's somehow the way things are. Uh, speaking of music, 
Or is there anything else you wanted to say about? Because you were going to tell us more details about the. That's pretty much it. You got fired. You got canned. What about the future show, though? Oh, yeah. So Tough Times, September 23rd. I mean, who's going to be the drummer? The guitarist is going back to drumming duties. And we're just down to one guitarist now. Which is you. No, I'm bassist. Oh, right. That's interesting. <laughs> it's fun playing bass. It's different. It's yeah. like, you know, I'm, I have to approach it from a different uh, point of view. That's nice. I enjoy the challenge. Well, I think it like enforces a certain level of discipline, you know, because you, you're, f- you have to play things in a way that's satisfying the, you know, like whoever's firing people from his band. <laughs> so, um, you know, you got to, put your own sort of expectations down for a while and, and try to fulfill someone else's expectations. So that's, I think that's always a challenge for a creative person. And I feel like it's changing my guitar. Um, what I'm writing, like I noticed the last couple of things I've been writing have had more of a like driving force behind them more like a thump to them. Oh, well, because what kind of a band is it? It was, um, kind of a band was it? It's kind of like <laughs> punk. It's like punk at the heart, but it's not super fast. It's more like pop punk, but mm. kind of shoegaze, but kind of not, you know, more like, like we definitely have our jam hop parts where it's like, doom, doom, doo, 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 but then it gets kind of like poppy. So it varies. What's the, um, what's the licensing status of this music? I mean, when are we going to They're all originals. About, like, are we going to be able to play some on our... <laughs> on our show so that probably that people can hear what uh the kind of music chimp has been uh participating in yeah i'm sure they wouldn't care so um speaking of licensing you know i i continue to listen to this oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, you're kind of forcing a segue there <laughs> uh, yeah i'm trying my best all right uh, I, i've been listening to you know the boostergram ball which is adam curry's value for value i haven't caught up music podcasting show and you know, I just, I keep getting these songs stuck in my head, which, you know, when you, when you, especially when they're playing, let's say they play the same song, you know, one week after the other, like he doesn't repeat them three weeks in a row, but he'll play like, you know, one song, two weeks in a row, the earworms, you know, like little, the, the, the chorus or something or the hook or so to speak of these songs sometimes will get in your head and then I don't remember them. Well, but you say but you haven't the, caught up, right? But I mean, the I've, more you listen to them, like yeah. it, it's true with this band. Like I thought the songs were all right the first time I heard them, but I've heard them so many times that like they're all in my head, and they are actually pretty catchy. Like they're they're, they're pretty well done. But you're not tired of them yet. <laughs> not really, no. Because that's you know that's like the cycle. Uh, not that people necessarily have to get tired of a song, but I think there is. Some, I mean, isn't that partly why bands? you know, make new albums like over time and play their new work at their, at their concerts. So were you going to make the point that the, the repetitiveness is what makes it um, catchy and have catch on? Um, well, no, but that is something that Adam has been arguing. He's been saying, you know, like, well, if I keep playing it, people will like these songs. And I definitely think there's something true about that. Um, I was reading, um, because I was stuck at a colonoscopy this morning, sitting there for three hours. Oh, gosh. So I was reading Scanner Darkly. And it was, you know, this is from like the 90s, right? And it's interesting because he's, the, um, the character is laying in bed doing something and has the radio on with some music. 
and then hears a song he likes and he turns it up. And it's, that's such an old way of thinking about it when, when I think about it now, because you just have the radio on just to have music on, <laughs> but you find something you like and you actually turn it up. So it's like, it's not your choice to, you know, what's on the radio. You're going to listen to what's there. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. And it's going to stick. Well, that's definitely something that I've kind of always noticed in my life. I, other than when I was in the car and then growing up, it was usually in someone else's car. I would listen to what they were playing on the radio. So I didn't necessarily choose the volume or what was played. But when I started listening to music myself, it was always you know, what I wanted to listen to, you know, when I got a computer and Napster and downloading things, it maybe some of the songs that I heard on the radio, obviously I was getting influenced by like my social group and there was some, but then there was also, there was eventually a divergence where the access to the internet allowed me to start exploring things that um, maybe people in my immediate social group weren't listening to, um, which that causes issues because when, you know, when you start to like veer away from the mainstream culture it becomes harder and harder to get along with your with your colleagues <laughs> yeah i mean you know like i'll get in the car with my coworkers and stuff and they'll just play music that i'm just like oh yeah i love this song and this and that and i'm just like eh, i don't know no idea who this is <laughs> well yeah so since and not that i mind it it's just like mm -hmm. i can't relate well yeah that's that's what it is right so so since maybe 13 or 14, it, that's how it's been for me. You know, is that I've just not been a part of the mainstream culture and I was just whatever, whatever I was involved with on the internet, bands that I discovered, you know, sometimes bands that people would recommend to me, but it was always difficult for me to get, to like take on a band that someone recommended. I don't know, something about my subconscious specifically wanted to avoid uh, bands that were recommended to me. And I don't know why that was exactly... Maybe just something about not wanting to follow the crowd. Yeah, it's definitely been part of me for most of my life. But, the, <laughs> but it makes me sad now, though, because like I really, 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 really love jazz. And I haven't met anyone who feels the same way. Well, so I think we're coming to a point now. And it's like we're, this discussion is coming full circle to where I'm trying to get... Um, you know, Bitcoin, uh, value for value, uncensorable, like permissionless internet activities. These things are allowing us to start connecting with other people over the internet based on our interests. So I think more and more over time, we're going to be, um, especially because of the internet. So like on these devices, and we spend so much time on the devices. So like at least maybe in the future when we're on these devices so much, we're going to use them to be connecting with people who we actually have things in common with, who we're working towards things with. You know, I've got so many, I've had so many like kind of dreams of what was possible or what is possible with the internet that just still haven't quite come to bear. And I, I feel like they can come to bear. So you mentioned like your love of jazz music. I've always felt with, like, with music, it would be really interesting if there was a lot more crowdfunding going on. If bands were uh, basing their touring schedules on what their fans were willing to pay for. So, you know, like imagine there was a band and let's say they were a relatively popular band. They had tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands, if not millions of fans all over the world. 
Well, these fans could theoretically like be pooling their money together ahead of time to like pre-produce things, pre-produce concerts, pre-produce albums or pre-produce live streams and things like that. Obviously it requires reaching a certain level of fame or a certain connection with a with a certain size of audience who are willing to put up the money. But this is this has been possible since the invention of the internet, but we haven't fully, at least as far as I know, taken advantage of it. I mean, I know there's some bands who do something kind of like that. Bands will do Kickstarters or Indiegogo kinds of things. But just imagine instead of doing a, a tour because you are releasing an album, imagine you're doing a tour because like your fans put up the money and rented all the venues and like bought all the plane tickets and all of this stuff. And then you just have to show up and do the thing. That's, I think that's like possible. What'd you, what'd you pull up on this? Uh? <laughs> no, I was going to mention the manga. Now there's a movie coming out called blue giant, blue giant, but it's, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that. Cause it's like, I mean, most people are stuck with the dream of music. Like, you know, like you work really hard you get at the music and then you get famous case in point but like i guess not many people think about um the business aspect of it or like the the marketing aspect of it well and it's we're in such a very strange time for marketing for discovery and exposure it's, it's so complicated i feel like there's so much noise both as like a creative person and as a consumer, like it's hard to know where to go, where, what to look for, you know, what to be open to. So this is, I think we're in this transitional phase where we're creating um, like new methodologies for both discovering things and for, uh, for sharing things. I, I find myself like on the verge of wanting to like set a budget for the, the, the value Boosting. for value music. You know, for the music specifically, like, like I want to have like a music budget, like as opposed to like the podcasting, like radio budget, because I want to participate, even though like, I think he said it was last week, it was like $180 worth of Bitcoin. I mean, that's not that much, but if you, you just got to imagine that he, if he keeps at it, that's going to eventually turn into uh, $500 and then $1,800 and $5,000 and maybe he's going to take a few years, but you know, if you keep pushing because of the, the open nature of it, this can, this can be the bedrock of a new, of a new industry, so to speak. <laughs> I think so. And then also just the live feedback aspect, like, like, um, I don't know, you mentioned, if you listened to the recent podcasting 2.0, but just, um, like there's someone listening at that moment, they're sending you value right now and you see it coming in. Like, yeah. Like you really only get that feedback from like a live show or something where people are right there listening to you, but you know, you can create, create, create. And then people are just, <laughs> 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 people are just streaming and you know, like you don't really like, like, you know, you get 10,000 streams and you don't really know if that's actual people or bots or whatever the case is. And you don't really feel it. So Chimp, I mean, not to interrupt what was a very pleasant conversation, but Chimp posted a picture of me in the Telegram group and then Panda very quickly uh, memed it up by putting like the WorldCoin orb on the table. And then he gave me like a Generalissimo hat 
kind of thing going on. Uh, very nice. Very nice panda. <laughs> and it's pretty on point because, I mean, you did have your aspirations of being a dictator when you were younger. That's, uh, that is a little known fact. So the whole reason I brought that up <laughs> that I was going there <laughs> was because I think we're running out of time to do our, um, to be pioneers, to be pioneers in the value for value music. Uh, so you want to record stuff and put it up. Well, not just that, but like this, um, like the, the criticism show that we've been talking about, like, I think we need to get on it like ASAP. We need to like set like a tentative date. I mean, we could also do like, we could do it on Saturdays before this or after this, um, we could do it another day of the week, but where is it again? And I think where it, is the split kit? I don't know. Splitkit.com, wasn't it? I think it was like splitkit.com. It could have been splitkit. The splitkit.com. Yep, the splitkit.com. Empower your projects with the Lightning Network Boostergrams. Welcome to the Splitkit, the innovative so, app that harnesses the power <laughs> of the Lightning Network. To okay, so split, the split kit for people who are listening and don't know what the hell we're talking about. Let me start by saying that this is a podcasting 2.0 enabled podcast. So if you're listening on a modern podcast, talking with Albie. which you can find from podcastapps.com. Podcastapps.com. So if you're listening on a modern podcast, many of these modern podcasts will allow you to integrate or to connect a Bitcoin lightning wallet so that you can send money directly to podcasts through the podcast app and with the new, what they're doing recently is they started to integrate the ability to play music in the podcast and then people who send Satoshis or Bitcoin or money, so to speak, uh, to the podcast while they're listening to the song, some of the, that money can go directly to the musician, uh, depending on how we set it. So I think we would probably set like a very generous um split for the artist because i think that you know they did the work for all of that and we're simply using the artist as a form of entertainment but the idea that chimp and i kind of talked about was you know since we're musicians and we were, we're interested in podcasting 2.0 and all of this um like modern podcasting stuff it would be cool to like do a show featuring these modern uh these songs that have been um, licensed for the purposes of people being able to play them. Um, and, uh, and then we can t talk about the songs, talk about like, I, th I think the format that I've been considering is to do one song, like, okay, we could have a few songs that were off of like, let's say the weekly hit list, like off the top 10, something like that. And they're coming out with like a top 100 list now. <laughs> And then we could do each pick one song. So depending on like how long we wanted to do the show, it could be three songs. It could be five songs, but I think it would be whatever. It wouldn't be very long and we could do it once a week. We do it once every two weeks. Yeah, whatever. Oh, cool. Uh, I'm just trying to get this to work. <laughs> As I'm logged in, but it keeps telling me to log in. So to view your events, what are my events? Oh, cool. The split kit, create new events. Name. What is your kind of what, what, what? Crap. This is the part where I always like stop doing stuff. What name do we want to use? Did we, didn't we have a name for what the show? Show us. Oh, gosh, I don't recall what, what, what we wanted to name the show, but we'd been thinking about this for a while, weren't we? Yeah, but then we obviously we didn't write any of these things down. Um, <laughs> 
All right. So we're, we're not going to do it now. But we'll we'll, we'll do it after. We'll do it. Like, don't close the window. Just leave the tab open. And maybe that will encourage us to, to, <laughs> to do it later. So what else are we celebrating? We're celebrating um, sweet potato. I mean, you said you had a few different anniversary things that you were going to bring up. So um, I got a few things I want to bring up, but they are completely not related to anniversaries. You know, I have like a, a bunch of annoying news things <laughs> that I want to talk about. Do you remember something? No, I was going to do some trivia, but it's detailed. So well, continue. Well, Go ahead. Well, I mean, well, why don't we just do this trivia? Like what's, what are the details? So the Dreamcast was. Okay. It didn't use CD-ROMs. I, at that time, you know, like um, the PlayStation and everything I had CD-ROMs. Was it a cartridge? No, it, it, it had CDs, but it, it wasn't CD ROM. Media, but it wasn't CD-ROM. Okay. It was a pro- proprietary thing that right. they partnered with, I think, um, Toshiba. It was called the GD-ROM. Like you said Toshiba. 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 <laughs> and so it was, you know, like your standard CD-ROM was about 768 megs or so. Uh-huh. This was actually went up to a gig. Ooh. That's why it's a GD ROM. Yeah. So you couldn't really crack it. It was it was proprietary. So that was their way of avoiding um piracy. Exactly, which was a huge thing with, you know, every cartridge since then. And even uh, stuff before that. Interesting. So like you couldn't copy these CDs? No, be- because the, the the code was secret. It's so interesting to me. Like, I don't understand enough about how CDs are created to understand why you can't just like look at it and then copy what you see. Like, what is what what is the you know, what is the encryption of the data on the CD have to do with copying the data on the CD? Like, I, I don't know. Well, you needed a CD ROM that could burn up to a gig. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And that's another thing because the, the, the file size was different. So you could try and copy it and people would do that. But what ended up happening was you weren't copying the whole thing or like the, um, it was, what they would do is compress them down to, 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 to 700. So the graphics wouldn't be quite there or the music would be off. So people definitely tried. Uh-huh. You know, <laughs> pirates will do everything possible. So this seemed like a great idea until... Sega kicked themselves in their own ass. Uh-huh. Another selling point, something that they had in Japan, not here, was the music CD. And it was basically your standard music CD, but... Oh, it was full of files, right? It had files, like videos and lyrics, and the whole selling point was like, oh, your favorite band, you put it into your Dreamcast, and you watch the videos and the lyrics on, on the screen and everything. And long story short, the way that it was... It was, um, people basically used um, vulnerabilities in the code for those CDs because they weren't GD-ROM, but they uh-huh. were able to crack the Dreamcast actual yeah. um, uh, 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 <laughs> firmware and everything. Yeah. And then people figured out how to make GD-ROMs and everything and so on. Nice. And <laughs> the downfall of the Dreamcast. <laughs> so their own attempts at, you know, protecting themselves kicked them. That's, that's interesting. Like... How did you, how did you learn about this? Dreamcast day. 
But I've been celebrating it for the past 24 years. <laughs> it's fascinating. Uh, you know, I, I tend to be a very big proponent of freeing the information. Like I'm against copyrights and intellectual property. I think, I think this all that stuff is silly, like trying to, um, trying to beat the pirates, so to speak with, you know, this kind of like mass media. So it's funny. These people always in the end kind of bite themselves in the ass or they sort of screw their fans over. Um, I mean, one example that's like tangential to this is, did I mention it? Like, I, you know, the, this, when it went from Google Music to YouTube Music and yeah. I, I didn't like update it in time, so I lost a bunch of songs. Huh? But then Google also did that with like Stadia. You know, Google created like that um, cloud gaming platform called Stadia and then people, you know, bought into that. Or People really bought into that? Yeah, some people did. Um not many, obviously <laughs> not enough for them to keep, keep the product going. The rabble. But then I think about these big gaming products and there's, there's a lot of games that are gone. You know, like you think about a Nintendo or a Sega and they've been producing games for so many decades now. How many games are lost forever because these guys are just assholes about their licenses. Like that it's their media it's their content and if they can't squeeze pennies out of it like they are going to deny the world access to these games people always find a way <laughs> well i mean so there are definitely projects or there have you know throughout time there have been efforts to try to save things or archive things but you know sometimes it's hard because sometimes things are just lost because of time and it says gaming is a distraction. When you get older, you need to make money and gaming takes time from that. Yeah, that's for sure. I've been gaming a little bit lately, actually. Um, so probably I started maybe a month ago. Um, the first time I gamed this year. And I don't regret it. I do not regret it. I think, you know, I was like going through a lot of stress this year, not liking the job I had and then starting a new job and <clears throat> just starting to get comfortable in the new job. And I do not... I do not, uh, I do not regret gaming a little bit. Yeah. I think like all things, like it depends on like what you're doing or how you do it. Like it could be a great stress reliever or a mental, um, like even something as simple as Sudoku is a great way. I think to like start your day or just like get your brain working with problem solving. It depends on what you play, but if you spend your, all your day gaming just to make your character like look cool, then yeah, <laughs> you kind of have a problem there. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely don't do that kind of stuff, but I, I can easily sink myself into a game. It's not been <clears throat> good. Oh, <laughs> yeah, your air conditioner just turned on, causing a dip in the voltage. All right, I got more trivia, but I'll save it for later. Continue. All right, so let's let's uh, just like plow through a bunch of international news. So, I, well, first let's start with domestic. I have the, a new election theory a new version of my uh, prison president theory. Prison president. Oh, we, we need a jingle for that. <laughs> so Trump, the prison president. So I've been thinking about how like in the past, the Democrat and Republican parties have just completely screwed over candidates. They didn't like in the, um, in the actual like primary process and the convention process like they have methodologies for 
you know, legally or not screwing over anyone who they don't like. So I think what they might end up doing is they're not going to let Trump run as a Republican. Like they are actually going to, um, like him be independent. Yeah. They're going to make him be independent or he makes his own party. So Trump is going to run as a third party candidate, maybe for a party that he starts himself. He's going to have, um, Sideshow Bob as his vice presidential candidate. Sideshow Bob. And he's going to get convicted in Georgia. So he's going to be in, in prison, in state prison in Georgia. But he will be elected in a landslide. And so he will be the, the prison president. And this is my new election theory. <laughs> and then he gets broken out of prison and he runs the country from an island in the Seychelles. This is an interesting, I mean, I've thought about that. I'm like, okay, so if this guy's in prison and like, you know, could he just order the secret service to break him out? Like what's going huh. on here or the CIA or I don't know. I, <laughs> or just tells, you know, Georgia, Hey, I will, um, you know, like get you extra funding or some shit, you know, just get me mm -hmm. out of here. And yes, Panda, um, the Dems are going to do RFK dirty, but I think we're going to tell whether or not he was an operative for the Democrats if he tells his, his supporters to vote for Biden or if he was an operative for Trump if he ends up as Trump's vice presidential candidate. <laughs> All right, you got some more trivia? Sure. Um, you know, speaking of gaming... <laughs> Most people, when they think of gaming, they think like of online gaming, at least nowadays, like everything is online. Yeah. You play with e people. Esports even. Esports, exactly. It's a whole thing. The Dreamcast was actually the first console to have multiplayer online gaming on a broadband modem. The, um, it came, they made it a point to make sure it came with a 56K modem, not even like a, because in the past they had add-ons, some Sega had tried it. Nintendo tried it, but like they're very, very slow, 28.8K and, and less. And really it was just to like down, um, download stuff where was, there was even like a satellite moment at, moment at one point. But there wasn't really any online multiplayer gaming. It was just the, the, the bandwidth wasn't there. The lag wasn't, the lag was too much. So the Dreamcast was the first to actually do that. You could play Quake 3 Arena. You could play Choo Choo Rocket. I don't know if you remember Choo Choo Rocket. I do not remember Choo Choo Rocket. 56K was enough to play multiplayer. Just it seems so, so slow to this me. This game was designed, Choo Choo Rocket, for those of you who can't see, um, just look up Choo Choo Rocket. But then I, I forgot like how rudimentary these games were. This was a fun little puzzle game uh, where... And I'm basically looking at a chess board with just... Dozens and dozens of little characters running around on so it. So these little mice called Choo's, Choo Choo's, they're running around the board, right? And then um, the cats, you have to get, you have to get the mice into the um, in, into the rocket. <laughs> but the cats are walking around and they might eat the, the mice. <laughs> so it's it's kind of like you know it's teams and you, you have to get as many mice as you can into your rocket and and not into uh, the the French rocket. So it's it's a frantic fast-paced game and this game was designed to test the internet capabilities of the, the dreamcast and then the becoming a game was really popular fantasy star online had an online game and yeah so they kind of started that whole trend 
This reminds me of a not online game that I used to play. It was like one of these Windows default games where you were looking for the cheese. You were trying to get like the cheese in and you had to yes. move all these blocks. What was that game called? I don't know, but I remember. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Oh, man, I'm just, I just remember spending so many hours playing this game at work. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about Africa just because I feel like Africa has just been popping off. It continues to go nuts. So Zimbabwe had an election. Oh, and sorry. And the first online MMO console game. What too. was it? Fantasy Star Online. Fantasy Star Online. Yeah. This game was created by the, 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 the Fantasy Star Online team to test it. So it would work. Please go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, Zimbabwe, obviously a very unfortunately corrupt country, uh, horrible, horrible inflation rate. I've got like a like a trillion dollar or a hundred trillion dollar bill. I don't remember what it is um, at my house. It's just like a commemorative, funny little thing to put on in an apartment. Um, they just had an election. And of course, they're uh, the opposition said the results are a fraud and they demand like a, a new election and international intervention. There was a military coup in Gabon. So, you know, we were just talking about Niger. And so now they had another one in Gabon. So, you know, just Africa just continues to be kind of just nuts right now. So I think this is a continuation of the expansion of World War Three. Isn't it called it? Isn't it pronouncing in Niger kind of racist and promoting the colonist ideals? Because you're saying the French, the people who who colonized them. How, well, what what do you want me to say? How they say it? Okay, so if you don't know how they say it, well, how dare you accuse me of any kind of <laughs> this um, may not be oppressive <laughs> linguistic, uh, you know, performance? You asshole! <laughs> this is not going to work. <laughs> Japanese. <laughs> oh gosh. How are they going to say it? I didn't hear it. What did it say? He's asking Google. Niger. Damn it. But because that says French. Like, what's. Okay, so. Like, what do they speak in Niger? Or Niger? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> this is just going downhill so fast. I mean, it. They speak French, right? Yeah, they, <laughs> they speak French. So I don't know what, like, what exactly. I speak all these languages. Hausa, like <laughs> Songhai, Tamashek, full, full, blah, blah. I don't see friends anywhere. Yeah, so 50, 55% apparently of the people speak Hausa. They have 10 it's official, la official national languages. Language. That's crazy. <laughs> we just have two, English and Spanish. All right, so yeah, so, uh, and then another um, potential front, so to, to go to, oh, are, what are you doing now? You found one of the languages? Yeah, they don't have a translation. Al Niger. Al Niger. Al Niger. Whatever. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> I'm like, where is it? I don't see it written. Oh, it's on this side. <laughs> and then uh, a little closer to home, in Ecuador, they just banned oil drilling in protected Amazon lands. And this is. <laughs> what was that, Captain Brunch? Gada al Kabdin al Kabitini. Brunch du Capitaine. Brunch du Capitaine. I think it's Capitaine du Brunch. I think is the proper the way. Right to, to uh, like send feedback. The proper <laughs> way is the proper way to say it. 
you, you are not, uh, definitely not. <laughs> I'm like talking about World War Three, and you're, you're you're doing funny, um, like pronunciation. So, did you do we talk about the fact that there was a a presidential candidate in Ecuador who was assassinated? Yeah, by like Colombian um, narco traffickers. I don't think so. So, several weeks ago, there was a Colombian. I mean, there was a. a, a presidential candidate in Ecuador who was assassinated. I don't think he was necessarily a likely candidate to win. I don't recall the details, but that was kind of interesting. And then, I think they, they already finished that election. And then in Guatemala, they elected a new president just recently. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the things are just um, moving around. And um, so people just need to keep their eyes and ears open because, I don't know, things are going to pop off at any moment. Oh, also... Um, Bricks. We were gonna. I was gonna talk about this last week. Um, obviously, we had. Well, the week before we had our issues, and then last week, I was gonna talk about BRICS. So they made an announcement that they're gonna add the following countries to the BRICS program: Saudi Arabia, Iran, United Arab Emirates, Argentina, Egypt, Ethiopia. They're all gonna become members January first. Acronym is gonna fail. They're <laughs> gonna have to change it. And uh, this is kind of interesting because Saudi Arabia and Iran are supposedly mortal enemies. But I feel like we're in a time of readdressing what we consider to be uh, the relationship between countries in the world. Um, I think most recently, like during the Trump administration, it was revealed um, in a very public manner that uh, Israel was doing business with a bunch of Arab countries, you know, like the UAE countries and And it was also revealed previously to that based on like leaked documents that Saudi Arabia and Israel had been working together, I think, against Iran. So now uh, for Iran and Saudi Arabia to both be participating in BRICS, I think is interesting. And and I look forward to seeing like what kind of cooperation they actually participate in or if this is just, you know, if it's, it's kind of irrelevant, the fact that they don't like each other in terms of like their relationship to this greater organization. When, when you say they don't like each other, is it the governments don't like each other or the actual people are? Um, the governments, the, you know, I think it's like a Shia, Shia Sunni that's kind right, of thing. That's right, that's right. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's what's going on over there. Well, but, I mean, you know, as long as they both hate the, the white devil, then they should get along. Yeah. But I think they also see each other as the white devil. So <laughs> like it's, you know, um, I don't know. I'm not going to speak for, for Muslims, but, um, so what me and my friend is my friend. (laughs) Maybe. So what I had written here, um, was essentially what I called the new non-alignment and the new non-alignment. And then I have this, uh, Jefferson quote, it's peace, commerce, and honest friendship with all nations entangling alliances with none. So if Saudi Arabia and Iran can actually like participate in this BRICS thing. And if BRICS actually comes together and it may, it may not come together. This may all just be talk and meetings and just meetings and meetings for the next 20 years and nothing actually happens, but something could happen. And so we might see like a new kind of non-alignment while the United States is trying to antagonize China and antagonize Russia. Maybe we're seeing these other countries are actually engaging in peace, commerce, and honest friendship, you know, 
not lying to each other's faces while secretly doing things behind closed doors and, you know, saying one thing in public, saying another thing in private. Um, I definitely think that the, like the countries like in BRICS, for instance, like between China and India, these are countries that are right next to each other and they have a lot of antagonism between each other. So their ability to continue to engage in this kind of uh, organization, I think speaks to a new kind of non-alignment that is happening in the world. What's uh, art says BRICS is going well, South Africa and China are having productive meetings. Yeah. See, you see what yeah. I'm saying? So it's, it's, they're going to, they're not, they're never going to be friends, right? Like China and India are, are not going to be friends, at least probably not in our lifetime, but maybe they're going to be able to uh, have more trade and enrich the themselves. Oh no. <laughs> what sort of horrible video did he put up? I, I my mom, my mom, where is my mom? Yeah, I know. My mom. My money. Africans working for some sort of Chinese industrial company, like some kind of mining company. I don't want to watch this horrible video. They're gonna like kill this guy. I don't want <laughs> I mean, look at all these people. That yeah, it's almost done. anyway. It's, it's, a work, it's a worker up, uprising. Mm. Can't you lift your fists in, in solidarity with our 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 African brothers? I have solidarity with all the human beings. So I've got one last topic that I wanted to bring up. Do you have any more um, trivia? Nothing I could think of. The Dreamcast was the last of the console efforts for Sega before they gave up because they completely failed with the Saturn <laughs> and everything before that. <laughs> Genesis was the last good thing they did. In so this. Sega actually owns um, the Total War series. or I yeah. think so that... That's like the last time I kind of had interaction with Sega. Yeah, they still have their, their hands in development, um, mostly distribution, stuff like that. But they used to be a powerhouse. They used to be a powerhouse. And it's just bad, one bad decision after another. And Well, they just must own a lot of assets still, or whoever owns them must own a lot of assets still. Because you, you got to wonder why, how, like how these companies can still exist. What's interesting, though, is that they started off as an American company. Service games, Sega service games. Huh. It was a small company in Hawaii that um, that would, this is back in the 50s or before that, they would fix like like uh, pinball machines and uh, other games like that. In Hawaii. Right. Um, at the naval bases and, uh, uh-huh. and, and, and army bases. But at one point, I think gambling was made illegal around there or something like that or in base pinball games were considered gambling because it, was, it just wasn't pinball games, but it was other things uh-huh. like, like, you know, like slot machines uh-huh, or whatever. Okay. okay. So they kind of hightailed it and went to Japan and then different companies started there. Interesting. But I mean, like it, it seems like unless they were Japanese nationals, it would be very difficult for them to like move to Japan because it tends to be a difficult country to like move to. So we got to find out some more of the details. Like, Remember, this was in the 50s. This was like post-war. Oh, maybe it was easier for Americans to get to move yeah. over to Japan. Okay, maybe. Yeah, I, f- I forgot. Oh, and yeah. I think I think they had people in Japan anyway. So it just it grew into a different company, mm-hmm. obviously. But So earlier today in one of the chat rooms uh, in Telegram, 
they were talking about like South Beach. Well, the, the discussion wasn't really didn't start about South Beach, but we kind of started to talk about South Beach and kind of how expensive it is. And and then I was thinking about the notion of South Beach as a like nice place or a desirable place or a fancy place. Funny you mentioned South Beach because the person who was just here earlier was like, South Beach has gotten so ghetto. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, do you mean like the people are blacker or like, is it like, you know, like not as fancy? <laughs> both. Oh yeah, but, but so, but I kind of like when my parents lived in South Beach, like around the time I was born and before I was born, South Beach was kind of a dump. Like it wasn't. It wasn't uh, like the tourist destination that it it's turned into. And so, but then I think like Ocean Drive and all the Art Deco hotels and structures. So there was obviously once upon a time when South Beach was something interesting. You know, people were willing to, to make all of these nice buildings there. So but obviously there's some kind of like cyclical aspect to like the, the the culture of South Beach. It's it's not static, right? It's like it's constantly changing, it's reacting, it's evolving. So, you know, it's it kind of goes into this like pendulum of being a shithole and then into being like a desirable place. Because Miami Beach is relatively it's a relatively small area, like it's it's finite. You know, it's not like let's say the rest of Miami that you just stretches out in all directions. Like Miami beach is a very finite space and then South beach, even more finite. So either, you know, like you, the demand goes up and goes up and goes up and goes up. And then they keep like stuffing more and more stuff in there and they keep cheapening things out and keep trying to squeeze every penny they can get out of it. And then it kind of like crashes. And then, you know, and then like, crashes so the prices go down and the interest goes down and people take advantage of that and then they start to create new businesses that you know and eventually like the whole cycle starts over again blood comes and takes everyone away <laughs> but you they know all like, die like I, I wonder about that sometimes like you know we've seen like how what ways have you seen miami change growing up well i mean i say it all the time this area itself has gotten a lot more like working class spanish and it was funny. I was just, but, the, but it's interesting because it's more expensive though, over time, right? Like the, like the, at least. The, is it more expensive or is just the daughter just not? As, <laughs> that's as interesting, worth right? Yeah. Right. Cause what are the, like the, the, I, I the see dollar more high, right? price goes up. I, I see more buildings. I mean, that's this, especially here in North Miami beach, like in the last couple of years now there's like buildings all over Biscayne yeah. and that's more and more and more. Mm -hmm. Um, other ways I've seen Miami change. Brickell is a lot more of a, a center of where where people go to now. That's, you know, you have that, that Brickell city center. You have a lot more going on there. And I mean, downtown Miami also. Like, I remember downtown Miami used to be pretty much a ghost town. Yeah. A lot more there, too. And then now, like any day of the week, there's a several there's several blocks of downtown Miami that are going to have stuff going on, you know, in the evenings and any day of the week. Uh, more homeless in general, but I mean, really the change is just buildings, just more and more buildings. More and more people. Yeah, definitely around here. Um, you know, like, so this, 
this is like pretty much like North Miami Beach, but we're really close to unincorporated Dade. So we're, we're close to areas that are controlled by the county and not by a city. And the county is much more like lenient and much more um, willing to let like bigger development happen versus cities. Cities kind of have to answer to to the, the citizens of the city, whereas the county has, you know, millions of citizens. Um, so it's like harder for, you know, some people in a certain area to fight against it. I mean, I know like where I live, it, it's an unincorporated area and we have like, I live in a four story condo building and not necessarily the people in the condo buildings, but the people who like live in the, in the single family residential homes that are nearby, they have been fighting. I know for years against development, but there's only so much that they can do. Like as certain roads, like Miami gardens drive and West Dixie highway, there's always cars parking along Miami gardens drive now. Yeah. That's parking. crazy. Well, cause it, then that goes to what you're saying, right? Like we're stuffing more and more people into these more and more adults, right? More and more working age adults who own cars or who lease cars. And yeah, you're stuffing more people into one house. Like, like you'll see houses around here. It's like, there's six or seven cars parked outside the house. And it's like, you know, that's, that's people are renting out literally rooms. Like, um, like someone will, will like, let's say this, this is like a four bedroom house. And you know, like I, I will live just in one room and I'll rent out each room for like eight, $900. Yeah. Oh my God. And you get again on this scam. <laughs> yeah. And then that's how you end up with so many fucking cars outside. Uh, rent seeking. And most people, you know, don't have their papers and they go to work in construction. Um, John was just telling me how like, like yeah, that's, that, that's, he meets so many people. That's, that's the case. Like they're, um, they're working there. No, no workers comp, no insurance, no PTO, nothing. They're just working mm-hmm. 40 hours a day. It's horrible. It's horrible. Man. But I'm... he says you don't see that in West Palm Beach or, or Broward as much. He's been doing contracting for years. And it's just like it's mostly here in Miami. Yeah. It's a very, very Miami kind of thing. Just uh, so much fraud and just people, you know, trying to take advantage of situations here. And willing to take shortcuts <laughs> for sure. Lots Maximize of that. money. And you know, as I've, I've, I've talked about like on the show before, you know, both the Democrats and the Republicans, they both, especially the people who donate and fund these, these parties, they, they're, they're industries that depend very heavily on, you know, the, the cheap illegal uh, immigrant labor that they can pay less than minimum wage and, or pay less than what the the prevailing wage in any particular industry. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it kind of because I feel like every year we always had a lot of a lot of cars come from out of town. You see different license plates, New York and stuff, and then but it would always change. You know, like when when people would leave, you know, you'd see more Florida plates. Yeah. And in the past few years, especially after COVID, like I mostly see other plates. Like, <laughs> like it's still a majority of Florida plates, but you see a lot—not just New York plates—from all over the place. Yeah, well, I mean, I think a lot of people are—they're visiting here, they're moving here, they're yeah. There's just I don't know. 
They're getting the fuck I out of... And they, they don't change, you know, like they move here and they don't change their license plates for a long time. Yeah, they've definitely seen a lot of people who've said that, like they haven't changed their license plates since they moved here. So, but it, it all has to come to a, a stop. It, it, it all has to come to like a a point where... Like, there's, know. like you know, like where are people going to live? You, like you can only park so many places. I don't know. It's It's crazy. Well, it's theoretically like, you you know, it could become Malthusian, right? Like it just gets so dense and so crazy that we have like a population crash because a hundred people die, starvation and shit like that. I don't know. You got your bunker ready? (laughs) No, I don't. That's for sure. I am not ready for the apocalypse. Buying gaming computers. I'm I'm ready for the Bitcoin revolution, not the apocalypse. (laughs) <laughs> has a direct hit from hurricane ever happened to miami yeah for sure i think the last big one was it wasn't maria it was another one it was i think i was still in high school remember. Like wilma i think it was wilma and it's just like it's been a while yeah and then there's different effects in different areas right like Flooding, I don't think we the flooding necessarily lasted too long, but it'll be like power down, you know, and then so communities not having power for weeks or, or, you know, like just houses that are destroyed by things that were fell on them. <laughs> that's, I think that's most of the kind of damage that we've gotten in Miami from hurricanes. Well, you're you looking forward to a future hurricane when you move over here to Miami, Panda? <laughs> yeah, no water. I, I don't know about no water, though. I don't think I've had that. I don't think I've heard too much about like people losing water during a hurricane. Um, I don't know. I can't recall. I feel like the water keeps running. I think people worry more about no gas versus no water, more than no water. Yeah, I don't have, luckily I don't, I don't have, well, I don't have gas in my apartment. So, <laughs> so if the power runs out, I'm screwed. Well, that's true. Like, uh, um, I think he's referring to water out of like the sink, like to shower, to cook and stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's definitely happened where like, like, the, like you can't use the water or. or well, it's, yeah, it's, they'll have like boil advisories. Yeah yeah. 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 Okay. I definitely yeah. remember that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a depressing note to end on. Nah, man, come on, come on, come on. Oh, uh, well, well uh, do you have no more like happy trivia for us? <laughs> well, you know, so look forward to uh, some kind of celebrations. So wait, so you said the 23rd, you're, you have a show. Damn it. So I had two guests I have to reschedule then Um, for not the 23rd. That's okay. That's okay. So we're going to be celebrating, you know, our one year anniversary for this month, you know. But this next week be- is is um Rosh Hashanah. I, I I can't I can't podcast on on a Jewish holiday like that. Why not? You're not Jewish. Yeah, but I want to what's the damn it, give me the words. Appropriate? No, I want to um stand in solidarity with my Jewish brothers. Why what, what happened on Rosh Hashanah? What kind of tragedy are they celebrating on that you, holiday? Yeah, you see I don't go to school, so. Oh. <laughs> I'm not going to take two weeks off. Like either we're going to do the show on the 23rd or the 16th. So you say, if you're doing a show on the 23rd, then you have to do the 16th. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom, everyone. Well, it's not sh- Shabbat now, but you could say Shalom. Shalom is good any time of the year. 
Oh, it's the Jewish New Year. Oh, we well, can't work New- on the Jewish New Year. Of course year. we can. We have what? to celebrate our New Year with the Jewish New Year. It's a double birthday party. Oh, okay, I'm, I'm getting bagels. Yeah, we can do bagels. It sounds like fun. It's going to be like a themed party. The first of the Jewish High Holy Days. Okay, we can celebrate in solidarity. In solidarity with all of our, <laughs> all of our chosen brethren. As long as you say solidarity, you're good. Yeah, all right. Those pomegranates, holy shit. So, you know, I feel like the Jewish New Year is a very happy time to be alive. And so, you know, I think, are, are you happy to be alive on the Jewish New Year? It hasn't happened yet, so I don't know. I'll let you know when I get there. <laughs> uh, and then hopefully we'll have more news about our upcoming uh, podcasting music value for value show. Yes, please boost us a name. I know we had a name, but... Well, we're going to have to come up with a new name. So uh, thank you for being with us on Saturday Night Lit. I'm Captain Brunch. And this is Chimp. Thinking about my bunker checklist. <laughs> <laughs>